Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, May 1st, 2020. And on this report, I will be talking about the virus once again, the plague that threatens humanity, the invisible enemy upon which we wage war every day. This is day 42 of house arrest for the Castle family, so six full weeks We have been confined with only a little time each day for a walk in the spring sunshine. The family daughter is making do while confined to a small island, unable to return until airlines are flying again. I have a friend who went to Argentina for a couple of weeks and is stuck there until at least September 1st, since flights both into and out of Argentina have been banned until then. It is certainly a strange world. That we live in today, in some ways it seems we have different realities inside our heads, or perhaps we live in parallel universes. Fifty years ago, I boarded an airplane at Travis Air Force Base in California and got off in a different world. So just like that, I was transported into an alternate reality, a simple definition of parallel would be two lines running the same direction, but which never intersect. That is a good definition of the two realities that people live in regarding our virus today. Everybody knows by now what the virus is, but we disagree completely on what the national response to it should be. Unfortunately, our lack of agreement seems to be running along political as well as parallel lines. The two separate views are as follows. Number one, view number one is that the virus is very scary and extremely serious. It is so serious that if you leave your home, you will get sick and possibly die. If you have your lawn mowed by a lawn service, you will get sick. If you get a haircut, you will get sick. If you attend church even six feet apart, you will get sick. Should you have any human contact at all, especially if you are over 65 years of age, you will get sick. View number two is that the virus And our reaction to it is a complete farce. The lockdown is a ridiculous overreaction akin to mass suicide. We have been turned into lemmings by the government and are now being herded toward the cliff. This lockdown is not about health at all. It's instead an exercise in mass compliance. There are exceptions to all this, but it seems to me that the two realities break down along political lines with the left view being more akin to number one and the right view being more akin to number two. Keep in mind that for most people, whichever view they hold is their reality. I suppose it doesn't occur to them that their view could be incorrect, simply held to reinforce a political viewpoint upon that political view could rest the entire national health and economy. There are exceptions. But in any event, the longer the lockdown continues, the more sense view number two makes to me. I know that hindsight is 20-20, that it is easy to second-guess people in crisis decision-making. But let's look at some of the evidence that we currently have by its own admission. The CDC sent out faulty tests, including some tests already contaminated with the virus. Doctors, nurses, anyone who expressed views opposed to the official narrative of where the virus came from 
how serious it is, would be in worse, sidelined, fired, marginalized, and so forth. Many of those people were heroes on the front lines of the battle. They were concerned with the welfare of their people, their patients, rather than politics or money. A recent book, which I can recommend to you now, explains much of the problem. It was written by a doctor named Judy Mikovits and co-authored by a lawyer named Kent Heckenlively with a foreword by Robert Kennedy Jr. The title of the book is Plague of Corruption. It's very a very disturbing account of what has been happening. Dr. Mikovits is not the only one. She's just one, one going public with her book. There are many other doctors who one by one are coming forward and risking their careers. They are no longer willing to watch while potentially life-saving information is censored and withheld by the tech giants who control our access to all information. Dr. Dan Erickson, an ER physician from Bakersfield, California, who also owns an urgent care clinic, has performed thousands of virus tests. His conclusion, he says, is that confinement and quarantine is not only without benefit, it's actually harmful because it weakens immunity. His view is that we should only quarantine the sick, not the healthy. He asked the question, what kind of society forces perfectly healthy people into confinement in their own homes. He says that when he hears the expression, we must stay safe, he knows it's an effort to control the American people. This is, that is not a quote from Dr. Erickson, but it's a close to a quote, the best paraphrase I can give you. Dr. Kyle Sedell from New York City says that in his experience, which is extensive, ventilators, are actually harmful to patients. 88% of patients placed on ventilators do not survive, according to Dr. Sedell. He is the doctor who reported that treating patients with ventilation was like treating them on Mount Everest. In other words, they are deprived of oxygen. And ventilation through intubation is then harmful to them. A nurse from Portland, Oregon, who wishes to remain anonymous, reports that in her city hospital, many ICU units are completely empty. Hospitals are laying off staff, closing doors. The same is reportedly true in California hospitals. Laid-off nurses are starting to talk now because I suppose their reasoning is, well, why not? What have I got to lose? They are revealing empty hospitals, and the evidence is the 800,000 laid-off hospital workers. In the meantime, the federal government gets to order people around. How the feds love to do that. They love to look for enemies or even make some if they're hard to find. The voters are always being rallied to some national cause which requires their great sacrifice. Everything must be bigger and greater than the last boondoggle. Joe Biden, unsatisfied with $2.2 trillion of non-existent money, said, quote, the next stimulus needs to be a hell of a lot bigger, end quotes. Treasury Secretary Stephen Nunchin said, quote, this is war, so we must spend what it takes, end quote. It's not just the federal government, which oversteps its bounds, unfortunately, state and local governments in certain localities are even worse. For example, in New York City, a congregation of Orthodox Jews in the Bronx held a funeral service for their dead rabbi, Mayor Bill de Blasio, sent armed police with instructions 
to break up the funeral and summon or arrest the attendees. That is a very frightening example of what some of the petty tyrants in America have taken it upon themselves to do. Fear, it seems, presents tyranny with an opportunity, the police action against peaceful people, honoring their rabbi on the occasion of his death brings to mind the question of whether the police will support the American people and the Constitution, which they take an oath to serve and protect, or whether they will obey the illegal orders of their tyrant boss. The members of the New York City Police Department have answered that question for us. Other church congregations in other areas, attending services, sitting in their cars were issued $500 tickets by the local police. I suppose the police officers do not see the issue or understand what is at stake, what is at risk. It takes courage, courage to do nothing. Bill de Blasio could have said, those Jews are grieving and besides, they're not hurting anyone, so leave them alone. The New York City police could have said, we will not obey your illegal order but not a single one of them did, and as a result, America sunk just a little bit deeper toward police state tyranny. The government tyrants seem to want everything and everyone working in lockstep, top-down command, control of a completely isolated world seems to be their agenda for the most part. They're elected officials, but that doesn't seem to occur to them, or at least it doesn't dissuade them. Elected dictator a title which apparently did not end with World War II, in addition to using the virus as an excuse to destroy our liberty and our constitutional rights, including, among others, freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. They're destroying our ability to work and to earn a living. And with those go the American standard of living, the American dream, if you will. We have been prepping for this, for many years, of course, since we switched to bank currency backed by nothing but promises, along with debasing the currency, we hollowed out our manufacturing base through offshoring so that 70% of our economy is now consumption. We try to stimulate that once great consumption by giving away free money, but everything is closed, so there's nothing to consume. The result is a decline in real income and a declining standard of living for the American people. If the actual cost of living is going up faster than your income is rising, the only way you can make ends meet is through borrowing. So we're currently at the tail end of a decades-long debt binge at all levels, from national government down to individual wage earners, the whole system including states, municipalities, and corporations are completely mired down in debt. The federal government, in conjunction with the Federal Reserve, panics and says, we will fix this. We'll fix this by printing money and buying all the debt and carrying it on our books forever through paying interest only. We will intimidate the Federal Reserve into lowering interest rates to zero so we don't even have to pay that, the laws of economics that have existed for thousands of years have suddenly been repealed by this government. The federal government missed a chance for a critical lesson coming from all this. The chance was missed because it takes something not found in the federal government anymore, and that is the courage to do nothing. A string of high-profile corporate bankruptcies would have sent a correct lesson to the corporate world. 
The lesson could have been, you are responsible for your own mismanagement and failure to plan. You must set aside your own rainy day fund so that when it is raining, as it is now, you will survive, but the taxpayers will not cover you. Instead, the virus has provoked the second bailout in 12 years. And what I suggest, if what I suggest had been done the first time, we would be through the reset by now. But instead, we just paper over the gambling and mismanagement of American corporations with taxpayer money in the current system. Future earnings must be allocated to past debt. It becomes impossible to expand the economy because the ever-increasing debt load must be dragged along until it can no longer even be dragged. The federal government often not only does the wrong thing, but the opposite of the right thing. 300 publicly traded companies got over $1 billion each of money intended to save small business. I've been a bankruptcy lawyer for over 40 years, and I can tell you, the dead weight of debt must sometimes be offloaded. Bankruptcy can clear unproductive debt and restructure the rest of the debt. The economy at all levels would be productive again. Employees would be able to keep their jobs while companies restructured through Chapter 11 continue to function. Investors and shareholders would learn to price in the risk of failure. Finally, folks, if you want to know why infrastructure is crumbling in America, the answer is debt, especially unresolved, unproductive debt. But alas, there will be no wave of corporate bankruptcies, therefore no reset, because the courage to do nothing is sorely lacking in this our plague year. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.